Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back, Couch Potatoes and TV Junkies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picked Up, the TV Pilot Review Podcast. My name is Robert, and I'm sitting here as always with my good friend, former roommate, and co-host, Rich. And just one more thing. Oh, what's that, Rich? I'm happy to be here, man. Oh, I'm happy to have you here, as always. Uh, happy to have you listeners here as well. Thanks again for tuning into another episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. if this is your first time, like I said, Rich and I like to chat about TV and use that to jump off, chat about everything in the world. Um, but yeah, before we get to the main show that we'll be discussing today, we like to talk a little bit about other stuff we've been yeah, watching. Man. So, uh, in a segment called "What You Watching?" Boom. Oh, or how you feeling? How's the baby? <laughs> how you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Baby's fine. There's no real baby, but it'd be awful if I said anything else, wouldn't it? Even for a fake baby. I mean, you well. Because you can't relate. Like, you'll never be there. You'll never oh. know. Oh, my God. Uh, but what you watching, though? Here's something that you can relate to. What you watching, dude? That's good. That's a better question than I can field. <laughs> uh, in typical, in typical picked-up fashion, I have been watching a lot more um, movies instead of television. Uh, cool. but, but that's okay. Um, I get to work from home sometimes. And on Friday, I watched Event Horizon. And I watched... Uh, the Wrath of Khan. Right on. Which is excellent. Uh, what a uh, what is? Because I've heard of Event Horizon. Yes. Okay. So Event Horizon is a science fiction film. Paul Anderson did. Paul W. S. Anderson. Yeah. Not, right? not Paul Thomas <laughs> Anderson. <coughs> World's difference. World's difference. <laughs> Both have great wives. You would yeah. want to be. You would want to be married to either Anderson's wife, uh, because Paul Thomas Anderson is married to Maya Rudolph. Yes, which is the fucking coolest thing in Hollywood. I think. Yeah, that's a pretty dope power couple right there. Yeah, and then Paul W S Anderson is married to Mila Jovovich. Yes. Okay. Who uh, has a great Instagram? Has like hilarious like. Film stuff, plus family Ooh. stuff, plus she was beautiful like 20 years ago and doesn't look any different. Hasn't aged. That's the, maybe the craziest part. Yeah. There is some Resident Evil T-Virus thing going on because she doesn't look any fucking different. Yeah, she's just like preserved. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but so, Event uh, Horizon's a good sci-fi film. It There's a lot of like, there's a almost like a whole genre of sci-fi where um, like... Increasing technology gets met with like a portal to hell. Like that's what Doom is about. Yeah, and it's also pretty much what Event Horizon's about. Um, but they're great movies. Uh, is because Mila Jovovich hasn't really done anything outside of the Resident Evil franchise, nor has Paul W S Anderson. So like, no, would it be safe to say that's like their family business? Like they're not <laughs> even in the movie industry. They're in the they're in the Resident Evil and like bis- like that's their fucking family business. Yes, yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. They don't do anything else. That's their family eBay store. They don't. Yeah, they maybe they have clauses. So, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like that's and it's such a weird corner to be on. Like yeah. they're not making like 
personal art house movies. They're making just these crazy fucking zombie infection movies. In a property that, like, has kind of, like, was hot and then died and then almost kind of got hot again. It, all during the life cycle of them making these. Uh, word from E3 is it's going to be coming back in a big way. Yeah. 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 So it's insane. That is so great. That is just all <laughs> that they do. That's yeah. where they met. Yeah. God, that's insane. Uh, I hope they make them forever. And it's just their family line. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with like the Underworld movies, too. Yeah. Like, Kate Beckinsale doesn't really do much else. Mm-hmm. And... The weirdo that directs them, those movies, doesn't direct anything else. Nope. Uh, and yeah, so it's like the same, although I think they may have like gotten a divorce or something like that. I don't even know. Yeah. But like, same fucking premise, though. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's weird when you get these dynasties going. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, I've, I've been watching a lot of that, and uh, the, the Wrath of Khan thing triggered my memory that I did actually watch two or three episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Okay. Which, <coughs> excuse me, which is uh, just lovely. Lovely is the word. Good. Um, it's great to tune in. They're all about like an hour, so they're kind of long. They're paced a lot slower than I thought they would be. Uh-huh. Um, but they're not boring, and it's great to see just the actors at that time. Like William Shatner is so handsome. Just a strapping young lad. Strapping William Shatner. He's he's beautiful man. Uh, Leonard Nimoy is like dry as hell. Yeah, and doing a great job. Um, and again, it's it's a little hokey, but it's always it's just like charming. Yeah, like the way like the Batman TV series is, and uh, yeah, it being a little dated is like. It's fine. It kind of like helped age it more so than date it or make it obsolete. I was gonna say like it could just. Without watching it, just thinking about it, like, it could have just been aged, like, so... It could have been outdated so hard and just not aged well. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's more so been, like, a, a wine, and it's just kind of uh, settled into its fermentation. Yes, definitely. With, with young William Strapner. That's right. And, and uh, Leonard... Uh, Key boy, that's nothing. That has nothing to do with anything. That has nothing to do with that. Unless that's he was like a huge ski fan, like he just fucking loved to hit the, the slopes. Um, uh, did uh, did you ever hear? And I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is no, because like no one has. Um, back when like Tenacious D would do like L.A. like fucking alt clubs and mm-hmm. alt rooms. Uh, they did a version. They they did the Star Trek Star Trek opening theme song mm-hmm. with lyrics. No, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. fucking great. I'll put it at the end of this episode. It is so fucking funny. That's great. Um, and like you know, they preface it with Jack Black doing like the whole prologue of like Gene Roddenberry originally had these lyrics in mind. <laughs> And wrote them down, and they were not included. Um, so that's cool. That's cool about... Uh, I've, I've seen Wrath of Khan once. What's the whole thing about Star, or Star Trek movies? About how, like, it's the even number movies that are the good ones? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, 
the first one it was really long and drawn out. Yeah. I remember remember watching it as a kid. This is probably a big reason why I could have been a Trekkie, but like never was. I watched the Star Trek the Motion Picture when I was a kid, and it was long and boring as fuck. Yeah. So yes. So number one's a dud. Number two is Rathacon, which kicks iconic. ass. Iconic. Iconic. That is right. Pun intensely intended. <laughs> it's excellent. Got Ricardo Montblanc in it. It's great. Number three is Search for Spock. Don't forget about Kirstie Alley now, dog. Kirstie Alley, that's right. Cute Kirstie Alley, Vulcan lady. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, we'll have to bring that up in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I can segue into that. Three is, is, is Search for Spock, which I started watching, but uh, I was... I had watched enough movies that day, so I can't. I don't think it's great. And then four is the. It's like the journey home or something. Maybe is that the one? And then like what? Five's the one with like the whale planet, right? Yeah, there's there's. It gets weird. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. But speaking of Kirstie Alley, Kirstie Alley, I uh, I start I started watching. Uh, I picked Cheers back up. Yeah, because um, I'm. Ten fucking seasons into it. How many episodes do you think that equates to? Um, Christ. Uh, if each season's like minimum 22. <laughs> so if that was zero on that Yeah, bad yeah exactly. The math does itself. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> they had to work all of those. Wow. <laughs> like it's, um, but yeah, man. Uh, they're in season 10. It's like towards the end of it. And it's still, like, they still have stories to fucking tell. They still have character quirks to fucking, to, to, to explore and mine and stuff. And it's just so good. You know, why has there never been a Cheers action figure set? Oh, my God. It's made. It's made for, like, an eight-pack yeah. figure set. God, that would be so dope. I love And like, a play set? The bar? Ah! Come on, someone get on this. <laughs> it fucking builds itself. Yeah. Any cu- if you know any custom toy makers out there, damn, please, like, would love that. Commission this <laughs> shit. Oh, I would buy eight of them. Yeah. Fuck. God, that would be fun. Sorry, I just hit me though. Yeah. Perfect. That's blo- it's fucking blowing my mind right the, now. They they the Simpsons. There's a toy line that. Playmates came out with uh, in the early, late 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. for The Simpsons. Yeah. And what they did was every figure had like this chip in the bottom of it. And so what you could do is you could plug the figure into the playset and they would say dialogue clips. Damn. And it was awesome. Yeah. And sometimes they would like interact with different characters and sometimes they'd say different things depending Damn. on where they were. Maybe I'm hyping it a little bit, but... No, because like they've awesome. used that for other stuff too. Like, yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of that. I didn't know they did it for The Simpsons, which is great. Yeah. Oh man. Fuck, dude. Cheers. Talking action figures. Or like <laughs> the super super detailed like McFarlane version, right? Of them. Yeah, like, like sideshow collectibles. Sam's yeah. hair is just pristine. <laughs> That'd be the best. You could do a one like one and six scale. Get like like the mega size ones, yeah, like eight to twelve inches. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! But 
But yeah, um, so um, they did 11 seasons total, so I'm like winding down. I finally was able to, to start watching it again. Um, I've also been watching uh, Lucha Underground um, for, for El Rey Network, mm-hmm. which has been really cool. They, they're starting to wind their season down. Um, they're about like 22 episodes in at this point, uh, 23 this week. And uh, their first season was like 40-something episodes, wow. um, which is an incredibly long season. But for like wrestling, that's kind of par for the course because it's year-round. Yeah. But it was also a, a byproduct of like them sort of figuring out like who they can do story with and like who's going to work and who people are going to respond to. They like had to basically pilot their first 10 weeks. Yeah. Like when you think about it like that. Um, but now they're at a place where they know all these things. Is that, is it like owned by El Rey or did it just sort of partner with El Rey? It's produced by, I know producing partners are, it comes from like Robert Rodriguez's like studio, RIP pictures or whatever. Um, but it's also produced by, uh, Mark Burnett who's produced like a lot of reality television. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's like, kind of a big wig when it comes to, like, a lot of uh, live-to-tape TV. Okay. Um, that kind of stuff. So, it's got, like, a decent pedigree behind it. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as, like, respectable TV makers go. Yeah. And not just, like, these, you know, outsiders that are good for television business. Yeah. Which is essentially the rest of wrestling. Yeah. Like, they've never really fit into traditional TV. Um, but yeah, so this season's probably going to look to be around, like, like 27, 30 episodes, because they're going to wrap up with their Ultima Lucha in July. Like, a three-week event, basically. So it'll be, like, three total hours um, of Ultima Lucha, which will be, like, their WrestleMania. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, which is cool. It's just, and, and season three is like, already in the can. So it's just cool to see this art form uh, uh, through the lens of, like, traditional TV writing. Right. Yeah, you know, we're talking about storytelling and and how great it is when you can take your time to do something like that. Yes. As opposed to the insane schedules other people have to abide by. Yeah, when you think about... um, People so often will point to SNL as, like, one of the craziest feats in television the fact that you can write and produce an entire live sketch show in one week right like 90 minutes or like 80 yeah 70 minutes yeah you're creating like 65 to 70 minutes of fucking comedy which is an insane feat all on its own but compared to one monday night raw you're not writing a week ahead of time because your fucking boss is a lunatic. Yeah, I had no idea about this. Yeah, and will change directions on a whimsy. Mm-hmm. And whereas, like, Lorne Michaels is, like, a wizened, like, visionary. Like, and, like boat captain, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon is a scurvied pirate whose brain <laughs> is deteriorating. And, and will demand wild changes the day of, wow. minutes beforehand. So the fact that anything can actually happen, mind you, 
a three-hour show, year-long. That's traveling. That is traveling. <laughs> and and they need props, and, and they have a whole department that is just on the ready. It's called Magic. They call this department Magic. Really? Yeah, so if they need to do, like, a fucking hot dog eating contest that night, get Magic on it. Mm. If they uh, need fucking, they're going to have a big table spot, or they need... Uh, a, a small little set. Get magic on it. Okay. Like, they're fucking insane. That's cool. Uh, on top of, you're writing three hours of Monday Night Raw. Then the next night, you're taping, although they won't be taped anymore because it's going to be live, uh, two hours of SmackDown the next night. Does SmackDown uh, travel? Or? SmackDown travels. Okay. Uh, and, and SmackDown's going to be live on Tuesday nights uh, starting July 19th, which is going to be crazy. They're doing a brand split. So not only... Is that going to happen? Wow! Uh, but you'll also you also fucking write kind of write an hour of main event, an hour of superstars, plus once a month you have a, a pay per view that's three hours that you have to write for. But that will now become two pay per views, so that's going to be six hours additional a month that you have to write for. And if you're Triple H, you're also overseeing NXT, which at least those they fucking knock those out in like four week chunks. Yeah, but. That's a that's a fucking hard writing job right there. Yes, it is. So yes, indeed. It SNL's is. great and all, but like when when Raw's not great, like you can't be pissed, right? And when it is, fucking shit yourself. Yeah, and people still like I was gonna say, not that it should ever really affect you, but like want to talk about some critical fans. It's like, impossible. Impossible. I'm to guilty please, of it to please yeah, these people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh. Uh, like, when you think about it, the high point of it all, the Attitude Era, they fucked themselves. Because it was just, like, they had to drop your jaw every week. Yeah. And and they, more often than not, succeeded. And it was crazy. But they also had this blend of, like, incredible, like, just a high point of charisma, too. Yeah. Now if you get, like, a seven, six and seven, it's like, oh, this sucks. Like, yeah. well, I'm sorry, it's not... a. A cl- instant yeah. classic, and you know? pe- like just in ger- in terms of like movies, <clears throat> people will uh, say that it's a miracle when anything gets made, and it's it shouldn't be possible that anything good gets made. Yeah, totally. So it really should. And there are plenty of good movies. Oh, there's at this point over like the better part of. A hundred years, ninety to a hundred years. Yeah. There's five hundred masterpieces have been created. Absolutely, masterpieces. So the fact that <laughs> SNL, it should be it's it's a miracle when it's a a, a solid funny show. Mm-hmm. M- Monday Night Raw shouldn't fucking work week in and week out. Yeah, like it really. Like I do want to say, I really, I think like because maybe the Attitude Era or whatever, but like. I it, we'll have to maybe we'll do a blank slate on this or something, but just sure. like the popular perception of like a wrestling fan or that culture, almost like it gets the way like and I don't know if I could defend it because I'm not familiar with it, but along the same lines of like Nash NASCAR culture of like it's very much thought of as like ignorant dumb culture, yeah. and yeah. it's and it's totally okay to make fun of those people. Like, it's funny, in a, in a day and age where you can't make fun of anyone, yeah. even with, like, a valid point, dumb 
southern white people, like dumb yeah. white folk, uh, are free game. And, and a day and age where you at least, at the very least, you want to punch up. Yeah. But they're the only people that you can punch down at. Yeah. And everyone's cool. Them and Juggalos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Which, like, there's some crossover problems. There's a little bit of crossover. Um... But but just interesting, yeah. you know, and it, like and there's like kind of a, a turning tide. I feel like it's like there's some some hipper promotions that you can like know about, and like a lot of comedians fucking love wrestling, which yeah. I feel like is a a cool like backdoor entrance to like making wrestling actually cool again. Yeah, but it also helps like like Lucha Underground helps, NXT helps. Yeah, um, uh, fucking PWG. Helps, which are you familiar at all with PWG? Yeah, you've uh, exposed me to that a couple times. Yeah, are they? They're not. They're not Gorilla. Is Gorilla Pro Wrestling Gorilla? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And do they have the Battle of Los Angeles? Battle there... of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, they where... have all sorts of cool tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. They only run. It's where Apollo Crews came from, right? Uh, one of the places. One yeah. Of, yeah. They only run in in Reseda, California, at a VFW hall. Yeah. And like. <laughs> Fucking celebrities show out for this show. Like, fucking Vera Farmiga was... Or not Vera Farmiga. Fucking... What's her face from Modern Family? Sophia Uh, Vergara. Sophia Vergara. Wow. Just went to a show and was just like, this is great! (laughs) (laughs) It's like, fucking nuts! Yeah, damn. Um, It's super fucking... It's good. Cool, and it's like, it's not hipster, it's fucking cool. It is cool. That's why people like wrestling, because it's cool... And it's fun. In the to use two incredibly vague words, but in their truest sense of the definition, it's very fun and it's very cool. It's <laughs> I will I will fucking fight tooth and nail to argue the fact that professional wrestling is a greater American art form than jazz or blues. <laughs> because it is the perfect blend. It is the Perfect blend of performance art and athleticism. Yeah. Two things that our country and the world hold in the highest esteem. And for whatever reason, when you blend them, it has the stigma because it comes from carny roots of being this low brown form form of entertainment when it doesn't have to be. And it's starting to break through. Storytelling-wise, it's starting to break through on those. Awesome. Did... uh and again, this um, we could talk more and more and more about. And every culture has always had competitive wrestling and that athletic aspect. Yeah. Did Japan's modern wrestling culture come from the United States? I've been like, man. I, this is actually a legitimate question. I've been meaning to just ask Mullet on Podswoggle. Like, okay. like where the like when did it get imported over there? Yeah. Like you could ask the same thing for like Mexico because Mexico technically has right. the oldest. Promotion CML CMLL, um, uh, but like it's it came from America. It's like ba- like baseball. It's like it's definitively like yes. It's like I looked up baseball in South America mm-hmm. came from this like the the Spanish War, the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. No, 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 not the Spanish Civil War. Spanish, yeah, Spanish War. Yeah, the Spanish Civil War. The Civil War. No. Not the Civil War, because that's in actual that's Spain, Spain. Yeah. in the 30s the, with uh, that fascist dude. Franco? Yeah. The S- Spanish-American War. Man, that's yes. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where like Venezuela and the Caribbean 
started getting baseball, and then post World War Two, yeah. is how it was when we gave Japan baseball. Yeah. So I'm wondering. It's got to be. It's got to be at some point in time. We gave wrestling yeah. to those because the Japanese areas. promotions aren't all that old. And it's interesting that that Mexican one is so old. Yeah, for sure. They see maybe it's like a concurrent thing because it does like the the wrestling plus the showmanship mm-hmm. of the of the mask. You know, well, and yeah, and like all the styles and everything. Like it's just fucking cool. So art, god damn it, dude. Yeah, so art, like, man. Who's to say strong style isn't postmodernism? Like, <laughs> fucking fight me on that. I will. God damn it! Sorry. Oh, it's beautiful. No, but again, I'm I'm so you know, and I'm glad, like you said, that the the tide the tide is turning because I agree with you. And but unfortunately, you know, no one ever. Well, I mean, maybe they did. They thought jazz and blues was like bullshit when it first came out. The first twenty years, thirty years, it was around. But the same thing is like, oh, wrestling. You get, like, the eye roll still from yeah. some people. Yeah. You know. Anyways, that's fantastic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm looking forward. That's great that Lucha Underground's going to be able to go into their next season. And be around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really, I'm going to get really Sling cool. or something so I can watch yeah. El Rey. Um, for sure, dude. Uh, it's also just a pretty cool channel. Yes, it is. It We used to have it on at my old job in the break room sometimes. Mm-hmm. Great uh, curation of... Weird movies, for sure. Stuff like that, yeah. Um, and also this summer, starting in July, July is going to be fucking nuts for wrestling. Uh, on the network, they're starting the Cruiserweight Classic, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a tournament of. Um, it's going to be basically uh, lightweight wrestling Olympics. Uh, it's like going to be a, a thirty-two man tournament uh, with wrestlers. Representing countries all around the world, they just had like their opening ceremonies wow. where they like introduced each each wrestler, and it's it's all guys from like all around the world that like aren't signed by WWE, so it's like an actual invitational. Wow, it's bonkers that it's happening, and it's 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 gonna be beautiful. It's going to be fuck. There's a big thing about this too. Like a couple weeks ago, uh, I'll show you. I'll show you the match. There's this match in Japan. Between Ricochet and Will Ospreay. Um, Good names. Yeah. And and they're arguably some of the best in the world right now. And they're cruiserweights. And they put on this... Which is what? Uh, like a lightweight, basically. Like, like, uh, do you like, actually know, like, are we talking like 150 and under or something like that? It's probably like 150 to 180. Okay. Something like that. Under 200. Gotcha. And they put on an you amazing have... display to start the, the match. Yeah. And it was very clear that it was that was choreographed, and it was very well thought out and and stylized. It reminded me of an anime fight, um, okay. and it was really cool. And the rest of the match was fantastic, uh, but like you got a lot of old timers uh, that like saw it and just started basically being like you know like Charles Barkley and fucking. You know. Who was right? Who was right this year? Yeah. He called call Golden State. He's like, Did they're he? not going to do it. They're not, not going to do, do it. They're not going to do it. Not going to do it. Go, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, I've told you about that, right? Like, that's like an ongoing, like, that's a running joke was for it? the Swaggle guys. Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, the Charles Barkley impression, um, but it's specifically of him at a blackjack table. 
he just lost $200,000, <laughs> and, like, the cocktail waitress, like, came over to, like, ask him something, and he's like, man, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I didn't heard that. That's a good one. He just lost $200,000. Uh, quick fucking turnaround. Yeah. Uh, I have lost Magic, $200,000. Magic did a little wheeling and dealing this past week. Yeah, they did. Where are you at on that? You got Serge Ibaka for a year. You lost Victor Oladipo. You said it right there. I mean, Tony and I, Tony Colton and I talked it briefly about this over text message. Um, I mean, the upsides are, you know, a bit of a, you know, veteran, not just a veteran, but a good veteran player that's on the team. Trying to just sort of be even and, and talk about both sides. It's good to have some defense and, you know, something like that. Maybe so, a more of an attitude that Serge can bring. It it hurt to lose Victor Oladipo. Yeah. I got to say that the two or three years he's been there, like he was what I think a lot of people, fans and outsiders alike, thought was going to be the face of that franchise. Sure. I mean, he was a, for being a young he's guy. number two pick. He was a young, his number two pick. He was a young player. He had grit. He had he had both great, great skills and a lot of the intangibles yeah. that again everyone just seems to not think are very fucking important um, in life. Even though time and time again you can see that they are. Here's that it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that hurt a lot. And not to mention, we talked that. Um, that number 11 pick, that Sardonis or whatever, yeah. doesn't look like any fucking slouch either. Sabonis. Yeah, Sabonis. Yeah. It's like, that is a lot. He's a that's, legacy, too. Yeah, that's a lot. Tony's saying they probably could have, they might have just been able to ship that pick and get, you know, some good. So, yeah. I got to say, and again, given that Serge could just walk, I don't know what the thinking is behind this. Right. I really got to say I don't. Um it really hurt to lose Victor Oladipo. Yeah. I wanted him to be a lifelong Magic player, and now he's fucking not. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll see. But I'm, I hope it doesn't bite us too hard, but I I could not have uh, come up with that myself. If the Magic make the playoffs this year, was it worth it? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. They're, that's another thing we talk about. They're not in, like, win-now <laughs> mode. They're not. You no. know, they just needed to get... Better, they're gonna have Frank Vogel for the first year. True, um, you know it'd be great. Uh, you know, I hope Aaron Gordon will step up and stick around. You know, yeah, and I hope they can acquire some other people. Here's the thing: you get Serge right now, and if we can start the season with another big, like Al Her- Horford or yeah. somebody, yeah, I'd be. I'll feel a little bit better. But if it's just gonna be this team. Minus Oladipo plus Serge Ibaka, I don't know if it'd be worth it. Um, I think something that would be like really cool mm-hmm. for like the city of Orlando is if, like, not as like a gross like marketing or promotional thing, but just like like the magic can be sort of a rallying like point for the city. Yeah, the I same think. way like the Red Sox were after the the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah, like. If they could just become a fucking, like, uh, shoulders for the city. Yeah. Um, I would like that a lot. That would be, yeah, um, a, a super cool thing. Because uh, it, would, it would give the Magic something I don't think they've ever truly, truly had. And kind of, like, 
an identity and a relationship with the city. Yeah. You know? Not the same way that, like, we were talking about this the other night, or yeah, last night. Like, Orlando City Soccer Club is, like, blowing up. What that city's about right now, yeah, dude. I love it. They just got a brand new fucking stadium. It always sells out. Yeah. Like, it's nuts. It which is. is really cool. Like, who fucking thought Orlando was going to be, like, the actual soccer, like, the actual place that soccer took hold in America? Yeah. Yeah, in Florida, especially. Yeah. With, like, significant Latin American populations and things like that. Yeah. You know, year-round weather for they soccer. They try to make it happen in Miami, like, multiple, multiple times. Multiple times, and it's not. Yeah, so that would I, that would be awesome. I hope that the Magic take that opportunity to connect with a city like that. The Rays, the Tampa Bay, you know, the Central Florida connection being, you know, what? Tampa's, how far away is Tampa? Like, from more uh, slightly less than an hour away on I-4. Right. Not far. And so... The the Rays had the second biggest turnout they've ever had uh, for their Pride Night. Really? Yeah. After after the situation, yeah, uh, not the situation, the awful the slaughter, yeah, that happened. But um, like just just below opening day, it was like eighty people below opening day. Yeah, because it was you know in again the community was sort of coming together. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, man. I you know I wanted to like even spend time to talk about Brexit and the the Democratic sit-in <laughs> and everything too. Right. But all I'll say is I can't wait for those to be uh, Jay Roach directed HBO movies. Yep. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, it'll really give some insight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, both of those situations were also absolutely insane that they happened. Well, wait, the Brexit and what is the other one? Uh, the Democratic sit-in. What was that? I don't that know. That was uh, in Congress. Uh, uh, oh, like a filibuster Congress, or something? Not even a filibuster, but uh, Congress Democrats were trying to just get these common sense uh, uh, gun laws um, just like on the floor. Yeah. Um, and uh, Speaker Paul Ryan just like was like, no, uh, we're adjourning, I'm going home. And they just. They were just like, no. <laughs> no, we're gonna fucking camp out right here. Nice. Which is one. I love that it was actually a fucking ballsy move in politics. Uh, two, I love that they fucking committed to it. They were there for over like I don't even know because the fucking Brexit thing happened and like all coverage of that just got dropped. Really? But they were there for at least over twenty four hours. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and and like yes, of course, if you fucking do that, like. The other side can't cave into that because then you're setting a precedent that that's all you ever have to do mm-hmm. to fucking get something across. Is it though? Is it, it only because? Only because? I, I don't mean to cut you off or stop you, but like, there's a lot of like that. We don't do this because if we do it once, we will have to do it. It's like, no, you you don't. Like you said, presidents are a real thing, but 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 you can pick and choose. But no, no, and I agree with that. <laughs> I fucking agree with that. Like. Right. Because at the very, like, Paul Ryan called her a publicity stunt, which, like... girlfriend threatens to leave you, maybe, maybe just once you can... I can't, I can't, because then every time you need anything, you're going to threaten to leave me. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and, and I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, you know, it wasn't meant, like, when you're doing that, you're not, like, you know that, like, all right, there's no way in hell that they can actually gay because of that line of thinking. Uh-huh. But what you're, what you are actually doing there is you're telling everyone, everyone fucking stop for a second. 
this is fucking important. Yeah. Learn about why we're doing this. Yeah. And we will fucking pick it up with more steam and, you know, there's a, there's a goddamn election coming across, right? Coming along right now. Yep. This was for that. This was to fucking bring attention to this massive fucking problem that we have right now. Right. And, and to get people aware for November. That's what this is for. This wasn't for them to come around to like, all right, fine, true. we'll vote on the bill. That's true. That, this was for long term. That's true. Um, everybody thanking. Yeah, so, so uh, that's... Went into more of that than I uh, thought we were going to. No, that's wonderful. That's why, everyone <laughs> listening, and Rich, uh, it's hard to start this show because I... It's like I'm going to tell everyone we're just going to talk about TV, but we never just talk about TV. No. We talk about everything. And I love it, and that's exactly why I love doing this show. But yeah. It always makes it hard to be like, I'm going to have to think about that. And be like, well, we picked up. We're just going to start. We just get into it. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know we're I mean? not just picking up a show. We're picking up a newspaper. That's... We're picking up. We're picking up from where we left off. God damn right. We just shook hands, everybody. We just <laughs> it. <laughs> it was great. It was great pod, great radio. Rich and I shook hands. It was awesome. All right, well, it, we will continue all these threads in future episodes and across other shows on the network. But um, because we do have a lovely, lovely show, was this a was this your pick or was this a? This listener? was random. This was a random pick. Yeah, oh, that's random. wonderful. Um, so, uh, Rich and I, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, Rich and I are going to discuss. The the classic and cult show uh, from that beautiful era of the seventies, uh, the detective classic Columbo. And we're back. This week's pick is a TV show that maybe, while not frequently watched, or like not one of those things that you watched, it's something that's sort of percolated into pop culture in a big, big way. Um, And you probably know and have watched a lot of things that were directly influenced by it. Yeah. It was the 1971... Detective show, Columbo. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like this show, unfortunately, gets lumped in with all of those other, like, daytime detective shows that, like, I remember, like, seeing, like, coming home from school and shit like that, and, like, my dad's watching, like, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote, um, uh, 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 Diagnosis Murder, um... Jake and the Fat Man. Um, uh, just like, just these random fucking midday detective shows. I'd like to bring up that there's a time, I can even remember this as a kid, 
where I, I didn't... I only liked watching cartoons because, like, TV was, like, boring. Mm-hmm. Could be boring. Real live action. And yeah. you could tell the datedness of stuff from the 70s and the real early 80s. And it was fucking boring. I don't yeah. know. Um, Adam and, and Dr. Drew. Night is another one. Yeah, yeah. Adam and Dr. Drew talk about the 70s a lot and kind of how it was shitty in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm really glad that I didn't grow up having to... Like, with this is like, my only source of entertainment. I mean, all these, all this said, though, not Columbo, but more so these other shows it gets lumped in with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's unfair, because I feel like this is such a fucking different show. Yeah. It's, it takes the genre and subverts it, in my opinion, with the character itself, with Columbo, with Peter Falk. Yeah. Like... Who's doing work. He's doing great. Yeah. So, uh, if you haven't watched it, um, it's a, it's a straightforward. Here, okay, here's a lot of things. From the get-go, I like that it's not a whodunit show. You're not, there's not a reveal. Yeah. It's not weighing on a fuck, a cash-in of, of, like, paying off and, uh, like, what happened. Yeah, this isn't Scooby-Doo. No. Of, like... (laughs) It's not. It's like it takes its time to to show you everything that happened with the murder. You know. Yeah. Every little detail. Yes. And Columbo doesn't show up until 20 minutes into the fucking show. Yeah. It's going off getting weird about making breakfast and shit and it's it, Yeah. <laughs> that was, are you doing okay? Let me let me make you an omelet. Like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Oh, I'm the lieutenant. Oh, oh yeah, I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Yeah, it's like, you sure? <laughs> yeah, these water fountains. Let me tell you about these water fountains. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. Uh, in a good way, though. Like you said. So, off the bat, that's a great thing. We're not here to... You know, you don't want to solve a mystery. Be a real detective. Or, or read a, a different story. Yeah. You know, this is this is again more about the examination of the situation. And I'm and sure, like, like up yeah. up until the '70s, like uh, if you're having a detective show or a crime show, or you know, it would be a whodunit, right? Uh, and it would be hard nosed, hard boiled, like you know, troubled cops and shit like that. Yeah. You know, or like you know, no nonsense, like Dragnet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I can just imagine this being such a breath of fucking fresh air yeah. for the time of just having this seemingly bumbling buffoon that's just aloof to everything. But, like, you see him putting things together. Yeah. Um, just being so refreshing and different. Yeah. It was going to where the puck was going to be, man. Yes. Yes, it was. Um well, shit, I, I need to, and again, it's like a full disclosure thing, like, one of my favorite shows of all time is Monk. Monk, and Monk is, was the spiritual successor yeah. of Columbo. It's like, there you can see the DNA. It is, yeah. All it is over it. The, it's like the son of Columbo. Yeah. I mean, is what it is. And um, it's interesting to see it, you know, again, and Monk is, takes this and heightens it uh, to the, to an even further extent, because... Tony Shalhoub's performance there is even more idiosyncratic because of the character. You know, where Columbo is sort of just sort of like, 
I'm not sure. Do they get into, like, why Columbo is the way he is? I have no clue. Not really. Yeah, yeah. like, here's the crazy thing is that makes me think no, because that would create, like, some sort of canon. Right. Um, and I don't feel like it, they would have kept making them until 2003. It was, like, when the last Columbo, like, special was aired. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't have been able to keep doing that. Yeah. If, the, like, you had to juggle, like, all this, like, family or, like, real-life backstory. Like, you know he has a wife. Or at least he mentions he has a wife. Yeah, he's always talking about some wife. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I mean, to that point, it's not really important. And I, no. I don't really bring it up to, to be important. But, um, but yeah, so it's funny, though. Again, it's one of these things where um, I love Monk so much. And, again, like, this is... Again, it's sort of like one of – it's not a curse, but the trouble of of living forward in time is not ever being privy to when something was brand new. Like, yeah. again, like, like oh, yeah, this is like a watered-down version of Monk, but it's not. Monk is an amped-up version of Columbo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Damn. Yeah. Damn, that was a good fucking call. Um, um And then uh, – <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I'm looking it up right now. It's yeah. like – TV series, 1971 to 2003. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he worked in between then. Like, you know, yeah. he did um, uh, he did Murder by Death, uh, which was a, a really funny um, movie that, like, uh, it was one of those instances where I think, like, Clue came out around the same time. And so it just got, like, fucking overshadowed by that. Yeah. Um, I remember he was, God, because I... Is in middle school and didn't know what good movies were, and <laughs> I saw Corky Romano in theaters, and he was the dad. In That's Corky right, Romano. he is the dad in Corky yeah. Romano. Uh, Peter Falk's the fucking man. He's I don't awesome. give a fuck. He is he's um, a fucking killer. And yeah, he just had such a great charisma in this show too. That like again, he's he's not a leading man that you would cast. There's nothing about him. He's in this in this show, he's middle aged, he's frumpy, <laughs> and he's got a crooked eye. He's got a little bit of weird eye going yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> and like, there's nothing that says you should have fucking casted this guy. Yeah, except for like a, a vision of what this needed to be. Yeah, uh, and so this this first episode was written by Stephen Bochco, who's uh, who's known for like L.A. Law, um, and so like you know legal and crime dramas. Our second fucking pilot directed by Steven Spielberg. I know. Dude. I know, man. That I Come on I back to TV, man. Do it. <laughs> hey, man, this is where all the great art's being made. Yeah, dude. No one saw Bridge of Spies. Yeah, no one's watching Come that. direct the entire third season of Better Call Saul. Just come and do it. Man. I'm just throwing my arms up in the you air right now. You gotta have enough. You gotta have enough, like... I'm sure Steven Spielberg has... Problems or can't do anything, maybe, but like you'd have to have enough clout to be like, I want to do a season of a TV show. Hey, HBO, just give me season, give me season three of True Detective. Boom. Oh hi, this is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need anybody to make TV for you? Yeah. <laughs> just that's uh, that's where that's where it's happening. Oh, I can pay for it. Yeah, uh, this one's on me. Oh, I got this. This is a guy. Let me do it. God, that'd be great. Um, yeah, man. 
that's that's another thing. It's you know, it's it's really hard to appreciate sometimes that that casting, you know. Mm. But it is it is so important, and it's been so good. I've heard people talk about Al Pacino and The Godfather's the same way of even just like this the Renaissance and the Renaissance in the seventies of of Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman and these arguably more ethnic, less traditionally, you know, American-looking leading men. You know, yeah. whether it's short or... your Clark Gables or, you know, exactly. fucking Spencer Tracy's or... Right, exactly. And, you know, again, it is, it is, and it's impressive, and it's a great thing, and it's it blew the door open for, for heroes who look, you know, sort of not how you'd really see them. And the same thing for villains who, like, yeah. look like they're trusting good people or handsome or whatever when they're scumbags. So. I think there's a lot to be said about just casting someone that looks interesting in any way, That's shape, tr- or form. Yes, than, absolutely. Then appealing. In a purely, in a purely just, like, visual sense. Yeah. An interesting looking person. That's, that is <laughs> the number one reason why I stopped watching, watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is because everyone was cast because they were good looking and appealing. Yeah. And it seemed like they would test well. That's a great call. Aside from Clark Gregg, who was already built into the fucking thing, like, I visually was not stimulated at all. One of the quickest ways to whip somebody, com- like, not whip, not to, I didn't mispronounce it, but to, to better say it, to rip somebody out of anything mm-hmm. is for everyone to be beautiful. Yeah. It's like that, it's like bullshit. It's like nobody, nobody's like that fit looks good. The entire office looks like that. Yeah. It's like, no way. That's why I like those, <laughs> like, <laughs> The fucking Gary Marshall movies for the past few years, like New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day oh, and shit yeah. like that. Like, it's, like, it's all beautiful people, and then Hector Elizondo. <laughs> but still, it's like, he's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, all oh, these beautiful people, oh yeah, I can't get a date. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Sh- shove it up your fucking beautiful ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and to, to also that same point, like, because Peter Falk was interesting to look at, different from everyone else on screen, um, and and had this charisma and was a good actor. Like, everyone else didn't really seem to matter if they were good or not. <laughs> because it wasn't, like, they were just serving the story, and, and Peter Falk was the chef. Like, he was cooking the fucking meal. <laughs> yeah, I and get you. everyone else... Story and actors and characters were just ingredients. Yeah. Like, they were, they could have been cardboard cutouts. They, I was say, they, they like didn't props. matter. They're like part of the setting. Uh, uh, I did, and, and just uh, another point I wanted to make about, like, the actual direction. Um, just a, uh, like a fucking textbook example of, of being able to show and not tell. Mm-hmm. Um, early in the show, when, like, the murder is being set up, um, and so it's between these two writing partners that wrote this uh, series of crime novels, um, uh, uh, and, and they're going to go their separate ways. One actually did all the writing, the other did all the promotion, but they would bill themselves as equals. Right. <laughs> the one who didn't do all the writing, um, planned to kill his partner. Um, and so in part of the setup to that, the... Uh, partner that will be the murderer um, just to set up some evidence calls his partner's wife mm-hmm. um, yes. 
and you're not told that this is his partner's wife, you're just shown when she answers the phone that, like, you, you see pictures on the wall of, like, the partner. The and, other writer and... Yeah, yeah the other and writer the and, woman and, and the answering woman. the phone. Exactly. Yeah. And so you don't have to do some clunky exposition dump on the phone of, like, yeah, your husband will be... Uh, he's still at the office. Yeah. Your husband... It's just like, yeah, Peter's still going to be at the office. I'm your husband's partner, not your husband. Yeah. But your husband's here. And he's married to you. It's <laughs> a small thing, but that just it's it just highlights how easy it is. Absolutely. With through like set design and just like maybe a, a one line in the in the script. I'd like to read uh, something that's uh, that's written on the Wikipedia article for Columbo, uh, but something that we've hit on multiple times already. Yeah. Um, it says, popularize the inverted detective story format, which there's a link to, so I guess there's a whole article on that. Huh. Which begins by showing the commission of the crime and its perpetrator. Okay. The series, therefore, has no whodunit element. The plot revolves around how a perpetrator whose identity is already known to the audience will be caught and exposed, uh, which the show's writers called a how catch rather than a whodunit. How catch How catch How <laughs> No, um, but along those lines, I mean, and that particular example, more so, you know, Spielberg's call, I'm sure, at the time. Yeah. But it is, um, you know, the, I guess, into film school parlance of the mise-en-scene or whatever. Sure. It's like, just all the, the, all the information that's on screen at any given time. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not a throwaway. You're not just like, oh, well, we're just here. It's like, no, we're, like... Everything on screen can be information. And there was a lot set up in that first 20 minutes. Yeah. Visually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the lighter, the, the, uh, the, the, the list, you know, the little MacGuffin list of mm-hmm. crime names and shit like that. Um, like, all visually set up. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about, like, the actual, like ins and outs, like, the nuances of the actual, like, detection in the case that was being built? Um, you know, I, I do feel like, and this is where I started doing a lot more monk comparisons, mm-hmm. I feel like I was riding a lot with Columbo on sort of the strength of, of Peter Falk and that the actual, the, the actual evidence, facts, maybe one of my favorite things was... Was Columbo bringing up the mail? Like, yes. Now, Monk did a kick-ass job of like repeatedly. Do- I mean, like, Monk was repeatedly picking up on these little details. On, yeah, on actual hard detail. We talk in improv a lot about information and details, and yeah. how how easy it is to like. You're sort of just talking without detail. Yeah, and you don't even realize it. As opposed to, like, when you realize, like, this stone, that ID number, mm-hmm. that thing. Like, those details for me, um, I would have liked to seen a tad bit more of those um, coming from being such a big Monk fan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of how I felt. Yeah, I, I agree. Because uh, a lot of... Well, I, I do like that he was working purely just from hunch. Yes. Um, but... The male thing. Have a crossover. Keep going. Keep going. I'm just looking up stuff. Man, he. I hope he like did a guest spot on Monk. That would have been just fucking perfect. Like it it would have to have happened. It would have been. Um, 
But I, I yeah. Um, I feel like it's a case-by-case basis. You can go by, like, either show or movie or whatever where, like, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the case where doesn't matter. It's about the journey and getting there. Right. But, like, sometimes it's like, no, you kind of need a little bit more, uh, like, solid ground to right. justify continuing down this line of investigation. Otherwise, you're just wasting time. Yeah. And you're botching the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like... And, yeah. and aside from, like, the mail thing, everyone else, everything else that he was going off of was like... Uh, well, that was a weird choice you made. Uh, like, why, why'd you drive and not fly? Or, like, you know, like, all the justifications that the other partner gave were, like, logical right. explanations. He even says it. And it's really point. just Columbo just seeing through bullshit. <laughs> he even says it. He says, he says something that's like, What's the author? What's the antagonist's name? Or do you, do you know? I uh, forget. It's like Ken. Yeah, let's call him Ken. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, but he's like under the assumption that Ken did this, everything makes sense. It's like yeah, yeah. except you wouldn't make that assumption yeah. unbiased. And, and, and he <laughs> says that to the widow. Yeah, he's presenting his case to the widow. He's telling the widow that he's just what well, my starting in, in logic. Your starting point should be from, like, an undeniable, like, a fact. Yeah. And you build off that. Columbus just like, well, my starting point is he did it. Yeah. <laughs> that's... And I'm going to reverse engineer that's why. That's making a murderer shit right there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make him guilty whether he is or not. Yeah. All right. You did it. I'm going to find a way to or justify every... Like, minus, like, planting evidence and shit like that. <laughs> right. He also, I, uh, uh, as far as, like, getting hard evidence, sort of, he also, like, uh, tracked down, like, the insurance information as well, um, which is was good as far as, like, establishing, like, possible motive. But even then, yeah. that's all it is. And even at the end of the day, when they actually do arrest the dude, and Columbo... Uh, uh, like, Ken asks, like, yeah, but what do you have that'll actually hold up? And Columbo drops what would be the proverbial dick on the case. Yeah. Like, it still wouldn't fucking hold up. Yeah, it's like... It would not hold water in court at all. Yeah, so you got a murder weapon? <laughs> you know, you got right. something like that? Like, nope. It's like, all right, well, that's not... I, have this, I have this idea for a book. Yeah. You know? I mean, but... But you know what I mean, right? It's clear. He yeah. It's like, no, like, Columbo's I, not. I kind of want to see the scene where Columbo is taking his case to the DA. To be like, this is enough to prosecute, right? And they're like, no. No, dude. I, you arrested this guy? You, you let him go now. We're all in trouble. <laughs> yeah. We're all in trouble because he... He's like, do not let this get he's out like, to the He's paper. bringing this like Jerry Orbach. Yeah. Not Orbach, uh, Sam Watterson. He was he was DA in, in, in Law, and Order. Law and Order. Or Law and Order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, um, it's fine. Yeah, but uh, but like also at the end of the day, like that's not what mattered about this. Yeah. Um, uh, also, was it me or like that other? Because uh, the other writer, Ken, he ends up like murdering a witness. Yeah. Who like 
was better at detecting and finding hard evidence than Columbo was. <laughs> yeah, actually had like eyewitness accounts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like she pieced, she like actually pieced things together. Yeah, she actually solved the case. Yeah, rather than just yeah. had a prejudice against the guy. But who because did it. she was just like an <laughs> unstable person. Yeah, like ended up fucking bringing it to him and getting killed for it. Yeah, uh, so he like also murdered again. Um... Where was I fucking going with that, though? Oh, yeah, this guy was just, like, fucking dripping in pussy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're having a fucking... You're having a date. Your life is fucking fine. You're, like, on a date, and then some other bitch, like, is, like, accosting you on your date to date her. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Like, dog, things weren't bad. Yeah, if he just if he just holds Pat, I mean, uh, well, she she's gonna try and blackmail, but she's more just like infatuated yeah. with him. It was yeah, it, it was, was weird, funky, but a little funky, but um, still fun. Did uh, so kind of like an offshoot uh, from that. Uh, real quick, I do. I, I want to kind of um, run through some some uh, uh, routine here. Uh-huh. Um, would you have any questions uh, for either Steven Bochco or for Spielberg about this episode? Um, I do. I do love that we do this. Um, I suppose. I suppose I'd want. Well, we talked. We didn't talk much about this, but about like. So this is not the first appearance of Columbo, right? Correct. We the Columbo's appeared. In some other films, in two, two like TV movies before this. T- I'm I'm gonna fucking call them TV movies. Yeah, totally. Which is why again we selected this as the pilot as opposed to one of those TV movies. I would, I guess, I would just talk. Well, shit, I'd probably just talk about Jaws with Spielberg, even though this is four years before it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude. What was making Jaws? No, um. In, in uh, I would say as a, all right, as a good director, or as someone who will be a good director, um, what do you what do you do to like? And, and knowing you have a star in Peter Falk who's yeah. going to bring a great character piece, what do you do to help him? And what do you do to stay out of his way? Yeah, I'd like to know that because I think and I what someone's always fascinated me. I think a lot of people like want to be a director without really understanding a lot of what that is. Yeah. You know, but I think that from what I understand, the things that do appeal to me about that is like, that is it. It's like, it's like more like, how do I help you? And again, so some of that is like, this is what I did for Peter Falk to either get him in the moment or provide him with a performance. And this is when I just fucking stepped to the side and let him riff. I mean, a lot of, yeah. Uh, some of it's even, like, less hands-on. Like, yeah. I was listening to this, uh, and there's a million instances of this, but I was listening to this article, or article, interview with Malcolm McDowell. Uh, yeah. He was asked about, you know, Clockwork Orange and working with Kubrick. Um, and he was talking about how he went to Kubrick uh, one day with, like, a question about his character. And Kubrick just stared at him and said, that's your job. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Your job. <laughs> That's why I hired you. Uh, for you to know that. God. I have all the rest of this to juggle. Hey. You know, I have to make this every other decision. 
I mean, that's all a director is, is a decision maker. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like, if you can't tell a fucking, uh, uh, you know, a, a grip, like, where to put the light, then everything else fucking collapses in on itself. You have to be able to make those decisions even yeah. when you don't really know what they yeah. are. So, you yes. don't have to, you don't have to be hands-on about anything, but you have to know. Yeah. All you do is have to know. And if that's either fucking faking it and going, mm, that, <laughs> or 100% like knowing yeah. in your fucking soul yeah. what it has to be, that's what it being a director is. Yeah. That, you know, I guess probably a lot of pre, like you said, like if you're, if you have the ability to cast, it's yeah. like knowing, it's like, like Malcolm, it's like, no, I picked you. I picked you because I was confident you could do this. Exactly. And like half the job. Maybe you didn't know you were going to do it, but I knew you were going to do it. So just do it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm already making another movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how about you? I'd probably, your... I'd probably ask Boshko, Stephen Boshko, about like what did you, because you're clearly like, he's got a pedigree for that genre of, of TV writing. Yeah. So was it a, uh, intentional decision to kind of ease back on on all those details and hard evidence and like things like that and make this more of a character piece gotcha um and like what went behind that decision like what made like that kind of thing because he didn't create it but like you're setting the tone yeah that's a good that's a good actually a great hypothesis why maybe yeah that even these details as much as like we enjoy them and our logical brain needs them Mm -hmm. that like coming from that style of writing maybe he felt it's like this is this mostly becomes distracting yeah more so this isn't that yeah um it's a good one I think it's quite clear who our MVP is oh yeah baby uh who would your MVP be you know what I like too about Mm -hmm. him Peter Michael Falk, birth name. Like, I love, like, not, never super important. But, Hell yeah. No, that. Well, not never super important, but I, I can appreciate that. Absolutely. My name is fucking Peter Falk. I mean, it helps to be born with a name as, yeah, that's as not... <laughs> easy as Peter Falk. Right. Exactly. Like, that helps. That does help a lot. Uh, but but it's nice I know what you mean. Roll in with your name. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. It's like when my, everyone's known me my whole life. Um,. Uh, I might pick Widow. Might pick Widow Lady for LVP. Okay. Only because I do feel like it's it's a part where there's a a little more. Well, that or murderer dude. <laughs> Ken the murderer. He was not a good actor. Ken the murderer. I was gonna bring this up. To, I just want to bring it up super briefly because I'm trying to think of these good tandems, and I don't. I feel like Monk did this once, but I don't know if I ever saw it. Like, mm-hmm. Columbo's equal. Like, and you'd never, you'd never want to see that, but at some point in time, like, who does match, like, Moriarty? Who's yeah. matching wits in whatever different way... Tit for tat. ...to really give Columbo a run? Would, you know? would giving him a run um, be, uh, like, being... A Columbo foil, character wise and personality wise, or uh, chess wise of having him blocked at every turn, and having 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 an ironclad answer for every question he has. 
I for think, every just one more thing. I think it would be more so that second thing, but I I think you'd have to have an attitude that would kind of to spite him would fly in the face. It would be like yes. a friendly, charismatic guy, yeah. like a nice guy who you just couldn't trip up. Yes. Even though again, you still know like um yeah, LVP again, just to wrap that up briefly. I think would you agree it's can the murder? Um or maybe. Yeah, just because it was such a like such a big role. It was the second lead. Right. Um it's a big role. The only other one that I would think of above the widow would be the um little general store, the general store lady, the the witness. Oh yeah. That gets murdered. Yeah. Just she's off putting. Y- yes. There's there's being like eclectic and there's just being like straight off putting. Yes. <laughs> and, and she was free off. That's the best and nicest way to put it. Yeah. Um but that that's just for like those reasons which aren't like no, they're not real reasons, no. but they are real it is reasons, a thing. But they're the prime they're like the primordial real reasons of like it's in our DNA real reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's like my, the reason we find certain things beautiful and the certain things yeah. just turn us off. My soul's telling me to look away. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands like a hundred thousand years of human ancestry tells me not to have a kid with you. Yeah. But also, like, not a, a, a talented actress. Yeah. Either. Agreed to. Not a lot of talent in the 70s. No. 70s was a. Well, 70s was like the turn from that old style of acting of, of oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just like being oh, yes? more theatrical. <laughs> right. To where, like, the late 60s, early 70s was when. Like, fucking Method and Meisner started to become, like, a real thing. And you would have your Pacinos, the Neros, Hoppers, uh, uh, fucking Fondas, like, yeah. bring a more naturalistic style of acting. Yeah. Um, that was when the shift started to happen to where it was just more reflective of real life. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Hackman's. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's, a you know... Not everyone was doing that, which is why you still get those types of performances. Yeah. Can you think of, can you think of, and it doesn't, you could give me either of that era or of today, but like who, if you're going to cast the Moriarty to Columbo's Sherlock, who would that be? Oh, shit, man. Um, it would probably, ooh, okay. It would probably be... I mean, he would have to be uh, an antagonist um, for this to work. Right. But it would be Rust Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character from True Detective Season 1. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. 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 That would be a... I feel like Rust would just gun him down. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, pretty quickly, but... <laughs> in the confines of an investigation room, that would be yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure who I Because you would just have, like... Columbo asking these like very aloof like you know I just don't uh, I don't quite get the the logic and reasoning yeah. behind it and you'd have Russ just being like logic and reasoning are things that <laughs> are constructs of time and space and we're all just <laughs> bubbles in, in the uh, soda fountain of life man <laughs> it's like right I understand the soda fountain yeah 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 I get that soda I get that but uh, you know there's things it's like yeah well you know we're gonna all feel like flounders one day <laughs> like i could watch that God. for maybe two and a half hours god damn would that be good 
right. I'm trying to think. Yeah, who would? I don't have a great. I don't have a great answer queued up, but it, it, it's it's important to realize like that. Colombo <laughs> operates on his his wishy washiness of questions. Yeah, that kind of even be a better. <sighs> or uh, another one that comes to mind would be uh, Peter Dinklage as. That would Tyrion be Lannister. Cool. That would be a real good. I mean, it'd be a weird s- world for them to two those two to collide. But like that type of character, certainly, certainly. <clears throat> please, no, this is no value judgment. But as another, another interesting looking human being. Yeah. Like and again, kind of like <clears throat> Columbo's. Columbo would be taller with like a shittier posture, where where Dinklage would be shorter, but. Would have like the more I feel like authoritarian gait yeah. and posture of someone like you said, like it like he is an elf where he's like that author in elf, but he's like the pro. Yes. So he's like yeah, the confidence and <laughs> assertiveness still being there, and what we've seen in Tyrion Lannister as well, yeah. obviously. Yo, dude, I'm a friend of mine at work, and I watched. Uh, I've been watching Game of Thrones. We'll have to. I've been watching Game of Thrones. So I fuck. I no. I it was like halfway through Columbo. I'm just like, oh fucking Game of Thrones. Season finale like just happened, yeah. and we haven't even fucking mentioned it. Yeah. Um. And so we haven't. It hasn't aired uh, by the time we're recording. Um. But also, like, if you want to talk a little bit about the Battle of the Bastards, um, That's, and yeah. and just um how, like, uh. Taking the idea of spectacle on television to unbe- unseen before heights. I realized why we give people Emmys and why people win Emmys. I was like, well, Jesus. I mean, this is, again, and I, I, we, have to, we have to actively practice not taking things for granted. We have to actively yeah. appreciate Things that are that incredible. Uh, that the the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones uh, this season uh, made me think about uh, a term that's kind of been most recently thrown around in like uh, the startup world of like, what's your unfair advantage uh, to the rest of your competition? And in the the instance of Game of Thrones, which I feel like we're agreeing as far as things that are on television right now is superior to the rest. Yeah. Um, on 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 a mainstream and just like execution level, um, like on the surface, I feel like their unfair advantage would be budget, um, because they have I'm pretty sure the highest budget of any television show, if not now of all time. Yeah. Um. But any show could have that, and fu- I mean movies have that. And oh, completely yeah. fucking fumble it. Yeah, we've seen bad uses of money. So it's just, I'd say like HBO and then the showrunners, Benny Off and Weiss, like put like just nailing every decision. I mean this this season has been super cathartic, which is what was lacking, especially in season five, and. It's a, it is. I would agree with that. And I think now, and I think you know, we could do another whole discussion on what's the good decision that Martin isn't doing this himself. What's the you know like yeah. pro and con? But it's nice to have people who are doing this. Like, all right, we're going to execute a show now, and it is that is different from a book. Yeah, yeah. And we've taken all, and the story is obviously coming from mm-hmm. the literature world, but 
now we're going to execute a show. Yeah. And we know how to do that. I also, because I've, I've been thinking about this a, a lot lately as far as, as uh, 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 them going off uh, past the books, which they have to and had to and know they were going to have to for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just... I, there's talking about asking creators fucking questions. Like, there's so many questions I would have for Benioff and Weiss as far as, like, be, because you were going to surpass where we were in the books, like, was it an obligation or the opportunity to uh, start cashing in on all of these things that are happening that are fulfilling the audience and creating that catharsis? Whereas, if... R.R. Martin was ahead of you guys in the race. Like, all things are pointing to, like, he is, was not, is not, will not uh, provide those feelings of catharsis and just wants to beat you down and beat your fairy tales into oblivion to the end. Yeah. Like, not knowing whether or not he was going to do that, was this an opportunity to seize that? Or was it out of obligation, like, fuck, man, this is TV, like, in a book, you can sort of fucking do that, but, like, in TV, people want to, at the end of the day, like, at the end of the story, want to feel something good. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, I personally think that, I think you, I think, I think, I think storytelling, you do have to provide catharsis. And again, that doesn't, it's never necessarily a happy ending, but that's. But, but the two are often the same, and I think you have to. I think I think you're eager to, yeah, and re- you're eager to reward. But you have to. I mean, like, there we've seen like imagine imagine if Game of Thrones was like this incredible story, and then the last two seasons were just nothing but darkness. Yeah, well, wouldn't be a good show. And that's also, I mean, you can talk about that for the first five seasons. Like, there probably have been many points in these last years. To, that where Benioff and Weiss wanted to give that fulfillment and catharsis a lot earlier, yeah, because it would go into just very fucking bleak places, yeah, and horrible places. But you have to like stay the course almost to stay the course, cash in on an even greater feeling of that. Oh yeah, and an even more earned version of that um that you you know it's just patience yeah and and like courage to do that in the right moment yeah it's like it's like holding on a stock it's yeah like hold 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 okay now yeah sell. yeah we want to see the whites of their eyes crying <laughs> we want to see the whites you know? of their eyes plucked out on the floor yeah. before we put them back i think any other showrunners the less experienced people handling a show would have given given the audience good feelings shortly after the Red Wedding. Yeah, too early. Which was season three. Yeah. We're twice past that now. Yeah. So, just, it's it's just, uh, it's, it's just it's crazy. Expertly crafted. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, hell yeah. It's a good discussion all around. I feel great about this. Good, great discussion, great show. Uh, really put me in the mood for some Monk. I'm gonna have to track down some Monk. Yeah, man, is it? Killer. It used to be on Netflix, wasn't it? 
I think it was. Yeah. It was. It had been there. It's USA Why Network. Um, it was awesome. Tony Shalhoub deserved every Emmy he won because he kicked ass. And he seems like a really cool person. Love him. Actually, uh, back when... What was Wisconsin trying... I just accidentally searched Netflix on Netflix. Um, what was Wisconsin trying to do something a couple years ago? It was pretty shitty. Oh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was back when Paul Ryan was still like... Isn't that where Paul Ryan's from? Maybe. Wisconsin? I don't know. I don't know. Fucking. But Tony Shalhoub was like... At uh, like a rally or a protest. Like just there. And didn't let anybody know he was there. He was just there. Yeah. And it's like, hell yeah, Tony Shalhoub. That's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, let's wrap it up. Hey, Columbo, picking it up. Picked up. Picked up. Great show. Great performance. Uh, the, the TV equivalent of, like we talked about, that revolution in the 70s when interesting people and great performers were really changing the game of, of acting and yeah. what a protagonist can be. Shit, Tyrion Lannister. That's, you know, a very unorthodox protagonist by classical standards. Yeah. Uh, made possible. And shattering that fairy tale. Yeah, shattering. Yeah. Again, proving that every you know every individual is capable of being that you know yeah. really compelling protagonist. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, you can get in touch with us a number of ways. We always love doing some feedback, talking with y'all. You can do us a favor, please rate and review us and subscribe uh, on iTunes or on uh, what's it, the Google, Google Play, Play Store? There, we go, Google Play Music. If you're doing an Android device. Um, yeah, like I said, rate and review, subscribe. Probably some of the biggest favors you can do for us. And then aside from that, tweet at us at Picked Up Pod. Uh, that's our favorite way to correspond with y'all. Uh, although you can always look us up other ways, including the Facebook page uh, by searching Picked Up Podcast. Rich, you got any personal plugs you want to throw out there? Um, no, just uh, 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 just Rich Cammy on Twitter, Rich Cammy Four on Instagram. If um, uh, uh, not only would a review be a good favor to us, also you can request us to watch something there. Yeah. Um, uh, and we will watch it. Uh, also, it just it's um, a great help to the show. We never really ask for 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 money um, explicitly, um, although we may be setting up a um, by request. This is not our idea. We've literally fielded requests for like a um, a Patreon. Oh, wonderful! Um, Thank uh, you guys. But. Um, if, if that's not your bag, um, reviews on iTunes are, are currency. Yeah. They are gold and they just help, uh, the show be seen to people who otherwise wouldn't have found it. Absolutely. Um, and if, and if you just like or appreciate any little bit of what we do, um, that's, uh, why do I feel like I'm going to start crying? Uh, <laughs> that's that's a spectacular way to show your appreciation. It does. It helps us out, you know. And um, a spectacular and very easy way, yeah, to show it. Yeah, absolutely. Do it for other shit you like. It's kind of like yeah. how we vote, you know. Do it for us. But hey, if you if you really like something, rate and review it. You're going to yeah. help them out significantly. Um, but yeah. And, it, you know, check out all the great shows on the Arcade Audio Network. You can go to ArcadeAudio.net and find many quality, quality programs there. You know, and again, uh, check back in repeatedly. You never know when a new project's going to pop up. And keep your calendar open uh, for, for mid-September? September late 24th. September, late, mid-late September. Uh, keep your days open for the second annual Pod Slam Festival uh, for Connor's Cure. 
Uh, Rich will be telling us more and more about that as we grow closer. Indeed. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, buddy, for uh, my good buddy Rich here, uh, for myself, Robert, thanks so much for tuning in. Keep your dial tuned to awesome. Let's go eat some pizza. Pizza! Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net. Beyond the rim of the starlight My love is wandering in star flight I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches Love, strange love a star woman teaches And I know his journey ends never Cause his star trek must go on forever but tell him as he wanders the story